0: This is a special bonus episode of the Uptime Winter Energy podcast, and I have Joel Saxon here. Uh, Joel's down in Texas at the moment, mm-hmm. and they're having some pretty massive ice storms. It seems like January, February in Texas is quite the adventure, and uh, there's been some blade damage and mm-hmm. ice being thrown, and a lot of uh, RCAs and evals happening on blades. And I thought it'd just be a good time to discuss since it is wintertime what to do about some of these icing conditions and how we're handling them and what's the some of the paths forward. Joe, would you like to just give us an idea of what you're seeing right now?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, I'll give you the environmental conditions in Texas right now and then kind of talk about some of the things we saw in the field in the last few days. But uh, And this is for people who maybe you're in an area of the world that doesn't see icing. Uh, or you are and you may have some great feedback to, to tell us. Um, but right now, so I'm in, I'm in between San Antonio and Austin, Texas, and I'm looking out the window. And this is not normal for this corner of the world. But there is a pin oak tree in the front yard. That's probably got I don't know five thousand pounds of ice in the in the leaves and branches. I mean there I, there's there's fourteen inch branches that are just boom, bent right down to the ground. Right, so all, there's power lines failing. There's uh, I mean there's a half inch of ice on the deck everywhere. Uh, I drove last night. We had a, a wind po- on the wind power lab team. We did an RCA up in northern Texas. Uh, we were up by. Um, by wichita falls uh, and so we had to do some traveling around the state and the dallas fort Worth metropex just got pounded with uh snow and ice something that normally doesn't happen there right uh, you think texas you're thinking uh you know shorts shorts and long sleeve shirt or something in the in the wintertime and you're good uh but i mean i i counted in one stretch of highway yesterday while traveling 19 different accidents because of the icing on the roads wow. Right. And so, so when you think about this, now there's some, some general thoughts. It rains, it's 32 degrees. If the blades are cold, they're going to pick that ice up. And as they, they travel around, they're going to get ice and more ice and more ice and more ice. Also that, that happens, but it also can happen where you may not even be getting any ice on the ground, any accumulation of rain or sleet or anything like that, but a hundred feet above you there may be this fog layer and that sometimes is an ice fog and when things spin around in that ice fog it's almost worse because of the way it builds up on the wind turbine blades they lose performance uh and then once they get kind of jagged and and spiky with the the ice build up on the edges it just tends to build up more and more and more and more so an ice accumulation that's not shiny and clean tends to build up even more and more ice. so in the last few days in texas uh, the majority of wind farms saw some kind of an icing event. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to to protect against that. We've been talking on the show regularly about de-icing coatings and some other things of that sort. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, there's some damages and some safety uh, items that we always, at the Wind Power Lab side, try to get people to, to understand. Um, if you're operating a wind farm right now in Texas, you really can't go out into the field. You can't stand underneath these turbines if they're still operating because there's the, – when that ice starts to break loose, Think a hard hat isn't going to save you from a 20-pound a piece of ice that's been thrown 300 feet through the air. Sorry. It, it is what it is. So um, there is things that people try to do uh, when they're operating wind farms, sometimes um, pitching blades different ways uh, manually um, through the control systems. You can get ice to chip off, fall off. Um, uh, and that works uh, sometimes, but for the most part, you're waiting if you're not prepped for it, right? If you don't have a blade heating system, which is, you know, um, elements within the blades that send electricity through and they actually heat the blade, which is like an Arctic package, which basically no turbine in Texas has. You know, that's more, right. that's that's a that's an Alberta and a Sweden and Norway type thing, uh, the Arctic packages. Um, if you don't have that. A lot of times you're just waiting for the ice to slough off um, and you make some people keep running their turbines in it and, uh, you know, watch the vibration alarms and the SCADA data. And if the vibration gets to be too much, they may shut them down to avoid bearing damage. Um, but we do see some in the, you know, in the RCA world, we do see some uh, RCA end end of warranty um, campaigns. We've seen the exact same wind turbine make model blade in a warm climate at an end of warranty campaign have two or three damages per blade versus in a, in a frozen climate that was ran when they were iced for two or three years, Mm. have a hundred damages per blade. We've seen it. It, This isn't a, this isn't me saying, I think I've heard of that before. This is me seeing the report that it it has happened. Um, So. There's a lot of lot of damages that can come. I mean ice throw. Think about this too. 20 pound piece of ice, blade whirring around, ice lets loose, it may throw that ice straight up in the air. When that ice comes back down, blade number two comes back around, smashes right into it. So now you're hitting a 20-pound piece of ice at the leading edge of your turbine blade, and you're gonna end up with impact damage. Um, if that is left undiscovered or, you know, left left to, to its own devices pitching or a, a peeling, chipping of the coatings, it can get into a structural repair very quickly as well. So, I mean.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, there is so much mass to pieces of ice. I know when you see it on a, some ice on a massive blade, you don't really think that much about it because mm-hmm. the, the blades are so strong and powerful. You think, well, that ice is not going to have any effect, but those are big pieces of ice and the analogy I always use, well, it, it took down a space shuttle, right? Yeah. Uh, ice broke off, hit the space shuttle, broke off some tiles, you know, and it ended up catastrophic. The same kind of thing happens structurally in terms of wind turbine blade. If it snaps off ice and it runs into another blade, man, the impacts are enormous and they're focused. When composites do not like that kind of direct right. uh, tangential force on the surface and and they'll crack. They'll fail. You can actually poke a hole in them if you get enough force there. Uh, it's just, just not designed for that. Yeah. think, which is, I think the trouble.
1: Yeah. Think about it from a, from a really, like I, I always try to break things down into a practical sense, right? So you're driving down the highway and some, a hunk of ice or snow or something comes off the top of a semi-truck flies through the air and it, maybe it hits the road or, or you've been unlucky enough to have one hit your car, or your windshield, same thing, bigger pieces of ice. And now yeah. that blade might be coming around at 175 miles an hour. And instead of being a metal car that it hits or the pavement that it hits, it's a composite structure. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's our friend's ping um, of the show. Uh, they have uh, in their, it's one of their newest versions of the ping monitor. They can detect icing buildup, which is fantastic. So, you know, if the icing is very... Um, uniform on the blades and it builds up the same on all of them you may not get a vibrational alarm through your skater system but you may still have bi- icing buildup that you won't know about uh the ping the ping monitor can pick that up can say hey you've got an icing event going on here you should maybe you know you can eliminate some damage by shutting down or, or whatnot uh, but at least you're in the know then you have a better better way of making decisions whether you want to keep them running or or not right so ping ping does that right. ping can do that for you um There's other other most other blade monitoring systems. These oh, there's a lot of CMS systems coming out into the world right now. um, Whether they're you know Eologics. Yeah. Talk to Eologics for a second. Yeah. Eologics. That's
0: is a pretty smart system where they're putting uh, essentially temperature patches. I'll call them Mm -hmm. uh, that talk remotely to a controller. So it knows what the temperature is on the blade, and it can tell if there's ice being built up because mm-hmm. they have basically an ice sensor in each of them. So they will put multiple of these little patches onto the blade, and that that's a really smart move because it'll tell you if, if the blade is actually free of ice, so you can start back up again, mm-hmm. which is a big problem as you still don't know when to start, right? Uh, so there's a lot of good products on the market. Uh, Ping, Eologics being I think some of the leading mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm. at the moment, uh, and and then you know sort of secondarily is the anti-ice coating mm-hmm. or the ice phobic coating we're calling them. Nine ice being the one that's uh the coding de jure because Aronez has been talking about it and mm-hmm. using it on and is is uh applying it from what I can tell watching yeah. YouTube and LinkedIn. Uh, and Nine Ice is a company that's based out of Kansas. It's not a Norwegian or a Danish or a German company, weirdly You would enough. think. It sounds like yeah, a German United company. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. It's not based in Sweden where it's cold. Yeah. It's in Kansas. It doesn't get that cold in Kansas. Uh, and then Elemental Coatings, which is that we've had them on the podcast, they're based mm-hmm. out in Texas, Houston area, I believe. And uh, they have done some more recent work on their coating. At least I have seen some, I think, more recent information where well, they've been working in the aerospace world with Boeing and testing their coatings uh, for durability in like a rain erosion environment. Mm-hmm. And it has last, last I saw, they're doing really well. Uh, so there are some new materials, chem, chemicals, chemistries, coatings mm-hmm. to put on blades that could help reduce the amount of ice. And because what are you going to do in Texas uh, at this point, when the blades are already up, you got thousands of wind turbines, thousands, tens of thousands of blades out there. Yeah. What are you going to do? Are you going to try to apply a coating? That's probably your only choice.
1: Yeah. And, and then there's an ROI on it too, right? So with these coatings, right. it classically with these coatings, everybody's worried about, I put it on, does it last a winter? Does it last two winters? Does it last three winters? Yeah. Right? So anybody that's developing these coatings from like, you know, the, the consultant side of me, when we talk to them, we always say, you know, have you done a eras- rain erosion tests? How does it hold up on the leading edge? Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, so as we said this, I just had a branch break off, about an eight inch branch, just break off and land in the yard. Um, I was like, "What is that noise?" <laughs> yeah. So the ice, the ice is the ice is real going on right now. So, so the as, I'm sorry, I digress. But back to the the case there. When you're testing these coatings, it's just like testing an LEP coating. You need to make sure you do a rain erosion test. So there's also the rain erosion test. There's a the hardness test. There's a uh, and I'm going to say this one wrong. I, I always forget the term but the, basically the, the test of how well it sticks, sticks to the substrate, uh, how well, mm, how, when you put adhesion. it on, yeah, an adhesion test, how well it can stick to yeah. it and how, how well it stays. So another one to think about as well is a blade flexes, right? So as that blade flexes, does it continuously, is your coating so hard that it cracks and it, as that blade flexes and moves? So these are all things to think about, right? Uh, when you're trying to choose these things and why everybody has a little bit of their hair up about them in the industry do they work um you know we've heard from of, of nine ice that they've been on some turbines for a few years and they're still still working uh that's fantastic um good you know um, so so those of you that don't know about anti-icing coatings most of them are applied to the leading edge and then about uh 18 inches to two feet down the blade because that's the the fat part of the blade that will, you know, pick up ice and stuff. After that, basically everything kind of sloughs off. You're not going to build it up on the on the back. You might build it up on the trailing edge a little bit, but that doesn't affect it as uh, aerodynamically. So that's and how it's applied. Basically, I know like the nine ice coating is um, can be rolled, can be sprayed. Aerona is spraying it with their robots. Um, I know that they've used a uh, uh, Peter six company in the U.S. Blade platforms, I think. Uh, but uh, apply it from platforms. Um, you can roll it or spray it. You can apply it with guys on ropes. Uh, if you sure. if you're doing if you have blades on the ground, you can do a a whole rotor in a day, no problem, and get it back up if you're doing a repower or something like that. Uh, but the ROI piece comes back into if we put it. So, what is the business interruption cost that we lose when we? when we have an icing event. So if we have to shut these turbines down, how much money are we losing? And does that cost make up for the cost of installation? Or you can go an- yeah. you can go another route and you can actually insure against that that downtime. But Well,
0: since the last big icing event in Texas, I don't think there's been a lot of changes made to the blades. I know they done a lot to the infrastructure uh to keep the everything connected. I think they had problems with the grid. It was at 2021 when they had the, the big mm-hmm. ice storm. Uh, they had grid problems. They have natural gas problems. The pipelines froze. It was a combination of events that cascading uh, the big power colleges, losses yeah. Yeah, cascaded on them. But I mean, we talked to Dr. Who out of Iowa state and that, uh, podcast is available on YouTube and he was, he's a researcher who looking into, um, icing of winter and he has a There's a wind tunnel at Iowa State, so they have an icing wind tunnel. And he we had him uh, before that podcast, and he was describing some of the techniques they're using to create anti-ice or ice-phobic coatings. And a lot of it's based on natural materials, the way a flower or a critter, hmm. animal handles icing. So uh, different ways, different structures uh, at a really small scale, very fine scale, which is part of the issue with erosion, leading edge erosion on these really fine structures that they just can't take the the pummeling from the rain over time. Mm-hmm. It wears them out. And, but they were looking at, I, I rem- remember this specifically So I had I asked him, were there some potential coatings that could survive on a wind turbine? He said, surprisingly, yes. They were testing some at the mm-hmm. moment. That was a year or two ago. Uh, and he wrote the book. <laughs> He's the guy who wrote the book. So there's actually a book on wind turbine uh blade anti-ice de-icing and if you go on amazon and you can look at doctor who it's just h-u doctor who Mm -hmm. and and pull up that book and so it should have all the details but it's time Joel. am i wrong because texas is not going to have fewer wind turbines it's only going to have more and you're in a bad spot just because of the cold canadian air i don't know why we blame it on canada but we always blame canada Canada. (laughs) The cold Canadian air coming down with that nice warm Gulf of Mexico yeah. moisture, <laughs> and then colliding right in oh. Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, West Texas, right, and then you have these massive ice storms. And so it's a unique place where you may not have that kind of icing in like Wisconsin. Right, it's not the same. Yeah, type of yeah. Icing.
1: And if you're at wind turbines in Wisconsin, basically it snows or it doesn't. Right, you know, uh, it's going to be and it's going to be cold, really cold. It's not going to hang out around thirty-one degrees or thirty-two degrees in rain for a week. Uh, It's just not going to happen. But I think well, then that's what you, you you mentioning that I think. So speaking with the insurance companies about you know the increase in natural catastrophes that we've had over the last few years, and that you know there's outdated. Uh, models for the insurance companies in some of these, re- in some respects, for natural catastrophes. As we have, when people say global warming, they are always think they take it so literally, like it's global warming. No, global warming is in different areas of the world where the whole temperature kind of comes up, but it changes weather patterns and it makes more extreme weather patterns. So, if anything is to show you now, like this icing event here in Texas is not normal. This doesn't normally happen here. You know, every it's not like it's you know once a month in the winter time this happens. This is. Not a normal thing, and then you know we had that event in you know I was in Houston when we had that the freeze in twenty one, and that mm. in twenty one that freezing event did more dollar value damage than Hurricane Harvey, and Hurricane Harvey dumped forty eight inches of rain on that city. Yeah, it was wider spread. Yeah, it and was when wider you drop spread.
0: Electricity and freezing temperatures.
1: Problems. yeah well in, in Texas because like around, so around Houston they wanted they want to market homes with the most amount of square feet possible you don't get to you don't get to charge for your square footage of your utility room so how do you get around that right. you make your utility room in the attic so put your water heater in the attic and then wait until the temperature drops to 15 degrees and see what happens <laughs> and that's what happened across that's the true. sub there was there were subdivisions with roofs that were raining right so <laughs> Man. The, the cost is extreme. Man. Um, but so you're going to see more and more of of I think over the next you know 20 years of of this the the frequency of events like this um, where if you were an operator it may might be smart to start looking at Arctic packages for your wind turbines Iowa Kansas North Texas Oklahoma you might have to mm. you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, so this us back into a discussion we were having uh, uh, that technology changes and the the, the outcome uh, where you end up is maybe a lot different than where you thought it would be. So you, you pursue a path of like electrically heating blades. That seems to be the, yep. the way that we do it right now. But these other technology coming in, the ping, the eologics, the mm-hmm. nine ice, the elemental coatings come in and maybe change that whole dynamic where it just instead of using Kilowatts, hundreds of kilowatts to heat these blades, megawatts probably in some cases to heat these blades. Uh, now we're back into something that's relatively simple, yeah, and maybe cost effective to go do. Yeah, you're, mo- you're, you're for sure you're
1: monitoring it, right? So I, I'd like to see an yeah. an ROI. So here's an interesting one: What if we did an ROI? Someone did an ROI study. So there's a out of one of the universities up in North Dakota, a company sprang up uh, that developed a retrofit for a, a in blade heating fan. So basically sending hot air in one chamber and hoping it comes around the other chamber and pops out. So uh, a simple enough idea, right? I don't know, but I don't I don't know what the energy consumption of that unit is. So if we could look at what is the energy consumption of that unit and what kind of downtime can it save you from? So what's the cost ROI on that? And then we look at what would be the cost ROI to a Ping or an Eologics or a Phoenix Contact or a 11i mm-hmm. or some one of these CMS systems saying, hey, we know. And then also because the big, the big thing that's it's, it's tough to tangibly estimate is if you run these blades with ice on them, how many years of life are you taking off? right? Oh, like yeah. how much, I, how much large, structural fatigue are you in, introducing there? Then well, I think want- I
0: talked to Lars Benson about this cause he's Canadian. He knows snow. He's Danish. Right? Don't I, say
1: I th- he's Canadian. He'll get mad at you. Well, sorry. <laughs>
0: he's part Canadian, part Danish, I, I will, but he's lived in Canada long enough. Yeah. We can call him Canadian on some level, right? He's, go. got, he's got the maple leaf, right? <laughs> but uh, the, he, I was talking to him at dinner one time and, I probably lost track because of the alcohol, but uh, he was talking about the amount of damage that happens to blades because of the ice. I'm pretty sure it was him. It's like, yeah, you can really shorten the lifetime with these blades. Just little tiny things, you know. He's he's, they're big into the pitch alignment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, fix, which totally makes sense to me, and how they can extend the lifetime of turbines, Mm -hmm. But the ice is the other piece. Like, man, there's so much problem with ice and the loading and the unloading, you know, lifetimes get shortened.
1: That's a, there's yeah. a, there's a company I talked to uh, not too long ago that does some CMS stuff. And the, they're one of the differences that they do in the market. And I'm not going to say their name because I really haven't, we haven't talked enough where I'm ready to throw them out. Like I, they kind of get some, some, mm. some, some information from their board and whatnot. But the difference is, is they're monitoring 24 seven. And because they're monitoring 24 seven, Rather than just like grabbing a blurb of data and sending it out, blurb of data, sending yeah. it out, because they're monitoring 24-7, they can actually start to calculate some of those fatigue, life, uh, damage, defects, type, types of things of that sort. So they might be able to tell you, hey, this, this icing event that lasted four days took nine months of life off of your blades. Um, and And that starts to get really interesting to me.
0: So let me ask you this: If you're a technician yep. and you're in Texas, and there's not a lot of icing in Texas, yep. and you're on on the farm and you see ice on these blades, I assume there's some safety protocols oh yeah. that come into place. Uh, do they just close off access to the facility so you don't get hit with ice? Or what, what is the standard procedure there?
1: Standard procedure, I would say, is, yeah, you, you'll put an exclusion zone. Just like if you have a damage, if you had a blade that cracked off or something up tower, you always put an exclusion zone around it. There'll be signs, cones, this thing, like, don't go here. If it's, an, if it's a farm wind farm-wide issue, I would say most people are going to the O&M building. And having a lot of coffee that day and catching up on some paperwork because they're not going to the field. Uh, the other thing I know, I know some prudent operators will, there's there's normally always ranchers, you know, landowners and other things on site. They will send out a, they've got to usually a communication system with those people as far as an email chain or a text or something like, hey, just let you know, we might have some ice up on the blades. Um, don't go hang out underneath them. Maybe keep your cattle in what? away from them.
0: Yeah, yeah, keep your cattle in, yeah. Well, in, in terms of getting access to the turbines and climbing up in the nacelles I and mean, being up on the outside, even with just a little bit of ice, not saying some of these huge storms, but even when it's just icing conditions, I assume they put restrictions on what you can and cannot do. You're, like, yeah. you're not climbing on top of the nacelle. No, absolutely but, not. I mean,
1: you're not? Okay. You know, basically, once you get to the point where there might be ice accumulation, even if it's close – It's exclusion zone time. Like you're not going to the, you're not, you're not going to that base of that turbine at all because it's just, it's just too dangerous. It's too risky. You can't, I mean, a a hunk of ice comes off that thing. Even, even a a small five pound piece of ice. If we could, we could do the quick math on uh, what kind of velocity it can reach from that high, right? It'll smash your windshield. It would, your hard hat, you almost might as well not have a hard hat on, to be honest with you at the damage, the damage it can do.
0: Yeah, it's being like hit with a Buick
1: <laughs> from hundred yeah. feet. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's pretty much what it's gonna feel like yeah. yeah. And
1: they've got some and, and everybody's got a little couple tricks up their sleeve as far as like I was saying kind of earlier in the, the this this little bonus episode of you pitch a little bit, you know, wait till the sun comes out and then you'll yeah. and then you'll pitch yeah. pitch this the you know, the pressure side and get some sunlight on it, and then you'll pitch it and get the pressure side, get some sunlight on it, then hit hit the uh, the leading edge and then you might unlock the rotor and let it spin and see if it'll slough some of it off like but you can do that all remotely right like that's done from a laptop in a truck be better yeah you're not right. you're not climbing under you're not going into the tower and running the controls in there to do that so um yeah you can a lot of times i'm can,
0: sure it's happened or do you it's that's
1: happened it's I, kind of I'm happened. i'm sure come on we don't we, we it's texas right? <laughs> instead of hard hats is cowboy hats well, you know,
0: yeah, it's just a kind of Midwest a way of doing the doing stuff. I'm yeah. not saying it's right. I'm just saying that it, it would have happened, it especially 10 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago. It you know, probably been the way they did
1: it. And on the other side of it, there is a lot of there is a lot of operators. So we talk about fatigue life and all these things. Yeah, uh, you know, in the United yeah. States, as we all know, kind of how things operate. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years. When these blades have a 25, 20, 25 year life, they're repowering anyways. So there's a lot of people yeah. that are just like, run it. Don't worry about the ice. If we get an alarm that says you've got some damage, maybe we'll shut them down. Otherwise, let them buck. A lot of people do that too. <laughs> to be honest, I'm just, you know. Yeah.
0: Hey, it's all about the it's all about the dollar at the end of the day. Yep. It's what it is. So. Well, this has been a really interesting discussion, Joel, and I, I I'm sorry you're in an ice storm, but I think it's good to highlight <laughs> the safety right now. If you're near wind turbines, have ice on them. Be careful, technicians. Be careful out there. It's it's going it to be a rough
1: winter. Yeah, you guys are you guys are the ones that make all this all this happen for all of us. So we can't afford to lose any. of you. Stay safe around the icy turbines. Stay safe.